Hello and welcome to the SEO SAS podcast where your hosts are myself, Sarah McDowell, SEO content executive at Holland and Barrett. And with me, I have the ever so delightful, absolutely wonderful human being who is my partner in crime when it comes to SEO, Hannah Bryce. SEO manager also at Holland and Barrett. Why are we called SEO SAS? Well, that is a blimmin' good question. Uh, we like to think of ourselves as your special answering service when it comes to SEO. Quite frankly, we are nerds on the subject and we love nothing more than spending our spare time finding interesting topics to discuss finding questions and queries that we can answer and inviting other people to join us who are as nerdy as us on the subject. And basically, the idea here is that together, we can hopefully all get better at SEA. Hannah, how are we doing? Very good, thank you. Feeling really productive by doing a podcast after work for change. For change? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we don't normally record um, in an evening, do we? It's normally like a weekend in the morning. So I suppose we should, uh, it's a good disclaimer and we apologize if our brains are a bit melty and we say, I mean, I feel like that's going to be more of an issue for me because I often say stuff that people find hard to understand. yeah well I think um it's one of those things that's very lovable about you it's your one of your very um what's the word endearing qualities there we go it's the end it's the end of the day and words words are hard aren't they but yes but thank you anyway are you feeling Christmassy because we're not that far away are we 10 days are you excited um semi I don't know I feel like it's a bit of a weird one this year isn't it Yes. I mean, we try and not bring up the C word, I mean COVID, too much, do we? Um, But yeah, it's a bit of a weird one this year because of circumstances. But yes, I mean, I'm looking forward to it because it's Finon's first Christmas. So um, that'll be nice um, to, yeah, not that he'll probably, because he's not even a year old yet. So we won't really know what's going on. But at least I get to um, get all like festive and like do all the Santa stuff. So I'm looking forward to it. So Hannah, we have some exciting news this week, don't we? We certainly do. So really excited about this podcast because we have the wonderful Charlie Williams joining us. Charlie is an SEO and content consultant who runs his own consultancy called Chopped Digital. Hello, Charlie. Hello there. And thank you for that lovely introduction where you made me sound a bit more grand than I actually am. (laughs) I think it's the other way around. I think you're more grand than we're saying. (laughs) That's very kind. I appreciate it. (laughs) How are you? Yeah, I am doing well, thank you. Again, um, as you mentioned, sort of enjoying doing a podcast in the evening after work. Um, I'm likewise hoping my brain doesn't turn to mush halfway through. <laughs> I'm sure if we all support one another, we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, so yes, well, th- yes, well, thank you very much um, for joining us today. And 
with every guest that we invite on, we like to do a fun, quick fire round of questions. I bet you're very excited about that, aren't you? I am not at all nervous. <laughs> well, it's just um, just fun, quick. I want quick answers from you because it's all about getting to know the real you, Charlie. Are we ready okay. with the first question? Okay. If you owned a boat, what would you name it? Oh, this is going to really annoy me because recently my mum and stepdad bought a boat and they just sold it actually. And when they bought it, I had a really funny name for it and I can't think of it now. Oh. Um, yeah, I'd probably do something really boring like name it after one of my children. I mean, that's, uh, that's loyalty. That's a good, a good reason behind that one. That's, I'll take that. <laughs> uh, would you say you're a generally messy or tidy person? Tidy. What's the most useless skill that you have? Uh, juggling. I mean, useless? Yes, surely entirely that, useless. Surely you can crack that out at like a dinner party. I know dinner parties are a thing of the past <laughs> at the moment, but surely, I mean, I'd love a skill like that because I feel like that's a party trick. Uh, no one respects a juggler. You don't, you don't go, you know, somewhere and see people entertain them and, and there's a juggler and all the parents are going, ah, oh, if you work hard, you can be a juggler when you grow up. I don't, I, you know, I, it's, it's very difficult. I'm not very good. You know, do it properly. It's a tremendous skill. But uh, no, I, 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 you ask for a quick fire answer and it's something I can think of. I can balance a spoon on my nose sometimes as well, maybe. Um, <laughs> see, you like that. That's a bit more useless because it's only sometimes. So sometimes <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, look at you go. And other times you're like, nah. <laughs> Look at you go. <laughs> yeah, depends how sweaty I am. <laughs> oh gosh, right, moving on. Last thing that made you laugh? This podcast. Nay, you like to butter us up. Uh, what makes you cringe? Oh, I'm, I was going to say this podcast, again, <laughs> but I decided not to. Um, <laughs> what makes me cringe? Uh, anytime you watch, I, I watch, I get way too involved in television programs and I'm watching it. And when someone's doing something daft, you know, they're making a fool of themselves or whatever. And I cringe, even though I know it's completely made up, but it always gets me. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Um, what are you most looking forward to about Christmas this year? Uh, some days off. It's been uh, obviously uh, a strange year for many of us, a really difficult year. But really busy because you know, sort of trying to keep businesses going because we're trying to keep on doing good work for people and because the online space has just done nothing but grow, it's been really tiring. So I'm just looking forward to having the few days off and eating way too much food. Oh yeah, I mean that sounds fabulous. Uh, tell me an amazing fact or any fact, <laughs> any fact that you know. Um, doesn't necessarily have to be amazing just any fact that you you know and like yeah well this is going to be a bit you're going to have to edit out because I can't think of anything um, <laughs> <laughs> that's an absolute put you on the spot mind blank my children tell me useless facts every day well I mean some of them are true and some just clearly aren't true when they tell me them. <laughs> um, you know, my, little, my little boy always say something like daddy did you know that 10 plus 10 plus 10 plus 10 plus 10 plus 10 plus 10 equals 10,000. And I go, no, no, that's, that's not quite right, son. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm really struggling to think of a fact. Well, that's you. fine. We'll take that fact. I like that fact. We'll take that one. Um, what would your perfect breakfast be? 
Uh, Huevos Rancheros in Mexico by the Caribbean. That's where I had it on my honeymoon. It was amazing. Uh, wow. Sorry, who, what? What was that? Huevos Rancheros. It means uh, farmer's eggs. It's a Mexican breakfast, like a hot breakfast on tortillas with like a tomato, spicy tomato sauce. And I had um, some of that on my honeymoon when I was in Mexico. I was very lucky and um, it was absolutely amazing. So that's definitely my ideal breakfast. Mm. What was that about Mexican food, Hannah? I just said, love it. Love Mexican food. So good. Yes. Yeah, I absolutely love Mexican. A bit too beanie for me at times, but anyway. <laughs> uh, what, what did you, uh, or what are you secretly enjoying about some of the lockdowns that we've had? Because obviously we're coming in and out, but what are you secretly enjoying? I'm loving how quiet the roads are, you know, sort of commutes in the morning. That, that you know, sort of walking or cycling into work is a lot more pleasurable when there's less traffic. Uh, I've also, when we had the first lockdown, uh, the long one, the proper one, if you will, uh, going for lots of walks around the local area and discovering new places with my family when we could go out, you know, the one time a day, sort of finishing work and then going for an explore with the kids was fantastic. Mm. And uh, I guess the final thing uh, that's secretly enjoying about it is probably watching an awful lot of trashy box sets on Netflix that I wouldn't yes. otherwise enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Love it. Uh, then last one. Name one thing that's on your bucket list. Um, to have a sort of uh, remarriage ceremony with my wife. We got married a few years ago, but we'd love to do like a kind of, you know, sort of a second one, uh, somewhere spectacular and fun. Ah, nice. sweet. Yeah. So it's, uh, that. And then I think most of the other ones are kind of things like, you know, buying the perfect house, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. But, you know, that, that's the kind of most fun one I can think um, of. I mean, I'm still, I'm still yet to be married the first time. So, you know, like second time, I mean, you go for it. <laughs> yeah. It's shoving off. It's kind of like having a wedding without any of the pressure, I think, because like <laughs> yeah. you, you're actually already married. So now you can just be like, right. It's basically how good a party can we plan? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you can do whatever you want. And I'm guessing less. Yeah. You've got more freedom, don't you? Yeah. And no pressure from like, you know, sort of having to check certain boxes or do certain things or please members of family. Not that we really <laughs> had to for us, but you know, anything like that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. Well, they expect our invite in the post. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. When I organised it. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, that was a great quick fire. And I really like how in-depth you your answers were. It was it's really, really nice. And I think we do actually know you a bit better. So thank you. No, you're very welcome. Just to get to know you a bit more, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into the wonderful world of SEO and digital marketing? Yeah, sure. So about 12 years ago, I was working in retail, in music retail for Record Shop. And uh, I'd been doing that for several years because before that I tried to work in radio and had failed miserably at it. And so I ended up sort of just going working in record shops just to pay the bills between uh, radio stuff. Because I thought if I can't play music for a living, I'll you know sell some music. But uh, 12 years ago, the business went under. So uh, I, I lost my job, just got uh, my first mortgage with my then girlfriend, now wife. Uh, and it was about... Yeah, probably about two months afterwards uh, that we got made, uh, told the business was going under. It was actually on Christmas Eve, which was delightful. Oh, oh no. 
Yay. That was fun. Yeah, that, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of stories around that, not for uh, a, a public consumption, I'll tell you about another time when I can meet you in person. But there, we did that and I had to find a new job and I'm searching for lots of jobs. And just before the business had gone under, I'd been really interested in perhaps joining the website team because I'd seen the kind of you know, writing on the wall working mm. in retail that everything was moving online and that downloading songs or even just buying cds or vinyl online was the way things were going so i had to reassess my priorities i didn't particularly want to work in retail it wasn't my dream or anything like that and i had to find something new and lacking a sort of distinct dream i've never wanted to be a dentist or an architect though that those both are fantastic jobs and I would like to be an architect, you know, if I was qualified, the, I had to find something. And I just got this idea that maybe working on websites and helping people that way, rather than having to frankly face the public every day might not be a bad way to go. And I was very lucky that um, there's a local a business local to me that's an online travel business. They had an opportunity for an SEO and content assistant. And after looking up what SEO actually meant, I thought <laughs> that sounds interesting. Awesome. I never realised there's, there's a whole world available for this. So I applied for the job, managed to blag it very uh, luckily. I've always been very grateful to them for that. And that was 12 years ago. And it's been a bunch of odd jobs in SEO ever since. Amazing. That's really cool. I like that because it's a bit different to uh, a bit different to our sort of usual, I just fell into it. It was more kind of, you fell into it because of what you already kind of loved doing and you'd already seen that that the, the way forward was via online and it's just nice to, to, to I guess it's just a bit different to people who are sort of like oh I was doing social media or something like that and actually your story is a bit more about how you entered the digital world and you went straight for SEO. Mm. Yes, definitely. There was a lot of stuff happening at that time about things moving online, both you know media coverage, but also just seeing it happen. And there was an opportunity there. And I was lucky that I managed to get a job in this before I just had to get a job, you know, any job just to start paying the bills. Yeah. So uh, yeah, a, a bit of fortuitous circumstance. See, to hear. Obviously, I, I sometimes believe in faith. And sometimes if you do enough good stuff, good stuff happens to you. So you're obviously just doing good stuff and good stuff happened. Um, so we got you on today to discuss an SEO fundamental, which is keyword research. Yes, indeed. So um, we, this episode is going to sort of go, um, we're going to start with some of the basics, but then we're going to develop and talk about more sort of advanced bits um, to do with this topic. So first things first, for our beginners um, who listen to the podcast, first question is, why is keyword research important? And second is, how or where do you start when doing keyword research? That's great questions. So keyword research, you mentioned it's a kind of fundamental thing. It's important because it's the foundation of how SEO works. We use keywords to type into search engines and we get search results back. It's sort of the core component of the user interaction with the search engine. And you want to you know, it's, a, it's a, the foundations of how we learn what our users want from us. You understand what your audience is looking for and you build around that and the solutions you offer for the problems they're searching for. Uh, the best type of market research available, I think probably is keyword research. In terms of bang for your buck, uh, for relatively little cost, you get huge amounts of insight into 
what people are looking for, whether it's, you know, in your market or something even more specific in terms of a niche, you have this huge amount of information available to you to help you determine what's important to your customers, where that crosses over what you offer and how you can bring that to life on your website. And I think that's just fantastic. I think it's really exciting. It's really, you know, foundational, it's really basic and it often gets looked upon as a bit of a chore, but when done well, keyword research is a fundamentally exciting part of the process, especially from my point of view as a consultant dealing with businesses, when you can explain to people and show them how they can just straight tap into audience demand and really quickly, it becomes a real eye-opening thing, mm. something that a lot of people get invested in. Yes, um, definitely. Sorry, I just, um, I really like, you've got a really nice voice to listen to. I don't know whether that's a weird thing to say. I said that. I said that before we started recording. I was like, you, your voice is just really Yeah, popular. I was, you know, sometimes we just get a bit lost, like just listening. Um, <laughs> or I'm just, I'm just fall, making you fall asleep slightly. No, perhaps. you're not. Not at all. Not at all. Um, but yeah, but you've said a really key point there that like people uh, see keyword research as a bit of like a basic or a fundamental, but like you say, it can be exciting because you're tapping into what people want to know about. Um, so how, um, where do you even start then when you're doing keyword research? So obviously you've said why it's important. But where, where do you even start? Like, what are sort of some of the steps that you do? So for me, when you're starting keyword research, what you want to do is get seed ideas. That's the way I describe them, those kind of seed ideas that will then be the item that you put into a keyword research tool or you start exploring to get ideas out and start sifting through the good and bad ones and pick the ones you want to start going for right now. So... What does your audience want to know? What sorry? What does your audience want to know? And what does Google show for those searches? That's kind of what we're looking to try and find out. And the seeds get get us there. So there's lots of ways you can get those seeds for your ideas. Obviously, the first one is if you're either dealing with a client or even if you're in house, is just listing out your products and services. Mm. What do you offer to whom? Is it is it um, something that's price-based? Is it something that's locality-based? Is it something with lots of different options? Is it something that's kind of category-based or very specific, you know, if you're working in e-commerce? What are the kind of core offerings you have and how might people start searching for those? Then you've also got uh, you know, sort of the idea of market research. If you can speak to some customers and find out when you're looking to do this, what might you type into a search engine? You've got things around that. If you've got mm -hmm. that. if you're in a team that's got user personas available, you can definitely use those as a kickoff point, as, as a point of inspiration. Awesome. Uh, uh, there's also experts within your business. So if you want to understand what your customers are searching for in different situations, what pain points they're facing, what they're getting your, your product to try and solve, or what they might be talking about when it comes to your product or service, speak to them. You know your customer service team are going to know the common questions. If you've got a sales team, they're going to know common barriers and things like that. And then finally, of course, you've got another way of finding seeds is the competition start putting competition into keyword tools and seeing what they rank for that's not branded and you can start understanding what the market terms are for you. Awesome. I love that. Loads of um, really good ideas there that people can um, like go ahead and run with there. So good actionable ones there. Thank you. Um, I really like the point around how it's such a really great market research tool around so keywords in, in general because it's not just for um, creating content but actually researching what products to have and things like that sometimes as well isn't it 
Yes, that's a really good point. I, I love keyword research as this huge source of information that as marketers or even business owners, we've never had access to before. We always have to pay a lot of money for big market research surveys. Mm-hmm. Now, if you, you know, sort of with a little bit of know-how and even a small investment in some tools, you can pull back huge amounts of actionable data on what your audience are looking for in different situations. It's uh, the old point about even going into new products is a really key one. If you want to understand whether moving into a new sector is worth it for you or not, keyword research is how you can find out. Yeah. And I think it's for something that we see is quite basic as, as SEOs. It's for some people, this could be mind blowing because it's just nothing, something that they would never consider having done, I guess. Yeah. Speak to um, somebody who's running a business or in charge of something and hasn't really delved into SEO or PPC before, you know, generally into search and seen this amount of data available. Uh, yeah, it can be really a bit mind blowing for people. <laughs> that's, I think that's just really cool. I think it's uh, that's one of those kind of moments where you really appreciate what you're doing and what, what industry yeah. you work in, knowing that you can help people with something that then becomes so valuable to them, but for us is effectively free. Yes, absolutely. It is an exciting point. Uh, keyword research, because it's one of the first things you learn, can be seen as a little boring and so on. But the actual fundamental principle of it is still actually still quite remarkable. We've just become quite blasé about it yeah. because it is so readily available to us. And in terms of, so obviously you've listed some amazing ways of trying to find keywords. Um, how do you prioritise which ones to then go after first? Yeah, so one of the things I really struggled with when I first worked in SEO was picking the right keyword out of a set of keyword research. I felt this incredible pressure that Mm. if I didn't pick the right keyword for this title tag and the main heading, then I would get fired or whatever. (laughs) You know, it's just like, you know, you picked the wrong keyword. Now we've lost millions of pounds. And it was obviously never down to that. Um, So one of the things I try and get across to people when they first look at keyword research is to always look at it as an opportunity. And you might find there's a better keyword down the line, but then you can just update your page. It's a great thing Mm. about websites. It's normally relatively straightforward to tweak certain points to make it more relevant. But the way to prioritize is to maybe find that sweet point between demand and fulfillment. There's no point picking keywords that have huge amounts of demand if you can't produce the right kind of content to fulfill what they're looking for, or even more importantly, actually having the product service or information, if you're looking at, you know, writing an article or a guide to actually answer what people are searching for when they uh, type in that keyword. So that's the first thing about prioritizing is picking the ones that you can do a really good job of answering. That's always the starting point. Mm. Um, and if you think about the different stages of the buying cycle, uh, we know when we talked about those seed ideas as well, you know, sort of think about the different stages. If we're talking about we need to get more people at the moment they're looking to buy, then you'll be prioritizing certain types of keywords or certain types of modifiers. Uh, if you're looking to target people, if you're like a, a, a business that relies on leads, you sell, you know, you only sell a few, but you sell them for hundreds of thousands of pounds. You need more leads. You're looking very much to prioritize the keywords that get people in at the beginning so that you can sort of start building that relationship with them. So I, there's some data points we can use as well. So there's that, well, we, as well, we had, I said that sweet point between demand and fulfillment. Mm. Not for demand, the way to prioritize is by looking at how many people are searching for it and then comparing those keywords that might have a similar intent, you know, sort of synonyms of each other and working out which one has the most demand, but also describes exactly what you're doing. And it's obviously comfortable for your business language or any other considerations like that. 
I have a question that I really, really want to um, ask you because um, keyword research is, uh, as a content executive, um, keyword research plays a key role in my job. Um, so my question to you is identifying what I like to call golden opportunities. And what I mean here, when I say a golden opportunity, I mean um, keywords that are fairly low in competition, but have a decent high search volume. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you identify those opportunities for keywords that you aren't currently aware of ranking for or tracking so how do you come across those sort of opportunities you got any hacks or um tips or secrets that you can share with us so a, a couple i mean there's lots of ways that's the great thing about keyword research as well i suppose is there's lots and lots of stuff that's been written about it so if you read lots of articles there's loads of different ones that have been written about different ways people approach it and that's another cool thing there's no right or wrong way it's not like setting your server up or giving you know the right sort doing the right sort of redirect or something like that <laughs> keyword research it's all about finding good ideas that you can target so these are lots of these ideas are all perfectly valid all really good you just pick the ones that kind of suit your niche uh, and that's why another good thing about it so to find those bits you know we've got lots of data around keywords every keyword we can get a competition metric we can get a volume metric we can get a, a cpc metric to see how valuable it is we can also get those ones that uh, you know sort of tell us what kind of features appear for it so to get those as you call them, golden opportunities. It's about perhaps spreading your wings in ways beyond just putting your head C term into a keyword tool, pressing enter and letting it go. It's about mm. having a few different things. And a lot of it's context dependent. You know, if you're looking to do it for commercial or e-commerce keywords, it's different to doing it for writing a blog post. But some general ideas. First of all, take a look at what you're already ranking for. Uh, if you've got if you haven't got access to it get it but look at search console because if you do search console and you've had any kind of success then you're going to actually rank for hundreds thousands of different keywords and some of them are going to be things that you rank quite low for because you're partially relevant it's similar to stuff you've already done but you haven't addressed directly now you can find some of those if i'm already doing quite well for them you'll think i'm already relevant if i start targeting that keyword properly by answering that question fully there's a good chance you're going to do well. So uh, you can see the volumes by how often you've appeared. You can put them into the keyword tools. You can check out the competition, but it's often a good chance for finding lots of ideas that might fulfill that golden opportunity criteria because you're already doing quite well. So you've already got a good starting point for them. And they're going to be contextually relevant because you're, it's going to be something you're already seen as relevant for. So that's a nice one. The other one uh, for me that I always use just to a massive extent is competitor research, because when you put um, competitor domain into one of the SEO tool suites that let you do this, uh, that's all that visibility data, you can find all kinds of keywords that you hadn't considered if they're a big site, because um, they're just going to be so many of them available to you. And then you can use the filters within that tool to go only show me keywords that are more than this kind of volume. Show me only keywords that are less than this difficulty. And you start picking and choosing your favorites from it. And that's a quick way I do to find some of those kind of opportunities there as well. And of course, when it comes to your competitors, don't just think of your direct competitors. It's anyone who's targeting similar keywords to you. So it might be that I'm an e-commerce site selling shoes. 
and I'm competing with all the other stores and I'm competing with all the other um, manufacturers like Nike, Adidas and stuff like that. But if I'm sort of targeting maybe blog posts, some of my competitors are going to be anybody who's writing about shoes. So that could be people like Complex and Vice have all the kind of sneaker culture websites and stuff like that. So you can find mm -hmm. opportunities with them. Spread your wings just out, you know, one degree further than you would do just by using a keyword tool in a normal way. And you're going to find a lot more opportunities. And that gives you those, the chance of finding those golden ones. You're very much a fountain of knowledge, Charlie. I'm <laughs> loving all this. <laughs> You're actually answering several questions in one, which um, I'm sort of, yeah, it's blowing my mind because I'm just like, oh no, what do I need to ask him now? <laughs> I'm nothing if not efficient. Actually, I'm not at all, but uh, I like to be. I love that. Um, so on a, on a slightly different topic then, can you explain what keyword cannibalization is and why it's an issue as well as perhaps maybe some steps to take whilst you're doing keyword research that might help people avoid that? Yeah, so I think keyword cannibalization has sort of changed its definition over the last few years. Generally, when people talk about it now, it's about the idea that you have more than one page targeting the same keyword, or at least I should say perhaps the same keyword intent. It might be the exact keyword is slightly different on these two pages but actually from google's point of view both those keywords essentially mean the same thing the user is looking to achieve the same end goal and the idea is what we want to do is on our website no matter what we're selling no matter what we're doing no matter what we're offering whether it's knowledge or shoes or anything else what we want to do is make sure we only have one real uh, strong page for each sort of goal a user has you know whether it's to buy something or learn about something and so when keyword cannibalization occurs, it's just that often occurs when we have corporate websites and we have lots of people with access to producing content. We have one team producing the blog, one team producing the guides, one team producing the e-commerce content and stuff like that. Uh, we can have lots of pages that are essentially targeting the same kind of intent. And what we want to do is try and avoid that because we want to avoid Google having to, or Bing, I should say, having to pick <laughs> which one they want to show. Now, of course, the search engines will make a choice and oftentimes they'll make a good choice, but we want to control it. One of the things about being an SEO is you know, having this control over a website the same way an editor might have control over their newspaper that's being published every day. We want to be putting front and center the stuff that's really important for us to show and put our best foot forward in every situation. And the other thing, of course, with keyword cannibalization is you often end up with more than one page targeting the same term, but in different ways. One's trying to target it with commercial content one's trying to target it with informational content one's trying to target it with faq content and stuff like that so that's what we mean by keyword cannibalization and when it comes to keyword research what you want to do is at some stage when you're choosing between your keywords is look at the intent of your keywords you're picking and also when you've got ones that have a similar intent and seem to be on a similar topic make sure you're just checking the results is it the same kind of pages ranking for both of these two different mm. terms or is it actually different kind mm. of stuff? So if you find, you know, something like uh, I'm picking to go back to my shoe analogy, <laughs> if I if I have the keyword, uh, it's going to pick something like basketball uh, trainers, but I also have the keyword basketball sneakers or basketball shoes. They're all got the same intent. They, they're different keywords, but I don't want to page target each of those individually. But. Uh, if I had another keyword that was around, you know, basketball trainer guide or basketball trainer um, advice or something like that, that's a different kind of intent. So having a separate page for that wouldn't be keyword cannibalization. 
So that's kind of what we generally mean. I'll tell you a quick story about it. When I first started in SEO with that travel company I mentioned before, this was in the days pre-Panda. So what we had then was uh, we actually, one of the websites I worked on was selling ferry tickets. And we had to have a page for ferries to France because it was one of the main, you know, sort of things you can do is buying ferry tickets in the UK to France. But because of the way Google worked, we had to have a page for ferries to France. We had to have a page for ferry to France, a page for France ferries, a page for cross-channel ferries, and then a page for every single route in both (laughs) directions. And we tested it. And if we didn't, Google wouldn't show our page. They would, would lose rankings if we tried to combine them all into one page. Now, of course, in a post-Panda world, you don't have to do that because Google can tell they all have the yeah. same intent. And that's an example of keyword cannibalization at an extreme. And, and that's a really good example of why, like, whenever Google does a, an, an update or changes things, that's why this stuff is needed because um, like if Google can make things better or more efficient, do you know what I mean? Um, then, then yeah, like we need that stuff to happen. Um, sort of thing um, I can't believe time is flying Hannah do you reckon one more question each or one more question yeah um, you, I'll let you choose a question because we still want to do your feature oh d- definitely I mean I've planned I've planned a corker for you both uh, <laughs> <laughs> so yes um, okay um, my question to you then will be um, what is the one most common mistake that people make when they're doing key when they're doing keyword research that is a great question I'm going to answer it in two parts so I think from a technical point of view what you see people doing is fixating on volume too much yeah. not enough on intent so yes. people kind of go i must go for that keyword because there's a huge amount of volume but then what you're not accounting for is the fact that you can't answer that very well because it's not the intent doesn't match if i want to rank for a certain keyword with my commercial page but everything that's ranking on page one is newspaper articles doesn't matter how much volume there is i'm not going to rank for that and doesn't matter how much optimization i do it's not a good target for me and the second one the more philosophical one, if you will, something I mentioned briefly before is sometimes people fixate on keywords too much. We've said how important it is, but keyword research isn't meant to be a stigma of, you know, stressing out and finding the exact perfect keyword and stuffing it in every place on your page. It's about the idea of finding the user goal and then how best can we actually you know, sort of attack that in a positive way you know, to fulfill uh, the, what they're looking to do. I don't think, oh, sorry. No, carry Uh, on. Basically, I was going to say that, uh, what I was going to say is the way I would put it to people is keyword research is an opportunity, not a threat. And to look at (laughs) it as a positive thing. I love that. I love that is like a really, like a, the key thing to take away. Um, I do. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, so yes. Um, right. Hanesh, are we, shall we move on to the feature or is there anything else that you want to ask our, um, I'm going to call you our keyword wizard, Charlie. I just want to say that I think Charlie, you should definitely um, apply to do some audible voiceovers as well. Cause honestly, I could, yeah, your voice is just amazing. We're just, I'm just smiling listening to you talk. One, because of everything that you're saying makes a lot of sense and it's really nice to hear. Um, but two, because you've got a wonderful voice. <laughs> I, I just, you guys are doing a wonderful job of massaging my ego. I do appreciate it. Uh, not all our guests get this uh, sort of... No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm I don't joking. mind. I, 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 I don't mind if other people get it. Or not. I'll take it either way. 
<laughs> right, seeing as, uh, are you guys ready for this week's feature? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we've said a couple of times that we're very near Christmas. So I couldn't not do a feature related to Christmas, could I? Really? Um, so I have a little Christmas quiz for you both. Okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I, I take the silence from Hannah that she's very excited about my Christmas quiz as well. I just think with your quizzes, I always <laughs> it's just, I don't think I've ever won one of yours. Like, you know me too well, you just choose things that I haven't got a clue about. Come on now, Hannah, this is a general knowledge Christmas quiz. So um, only, like, if you're a Scrooge, then maybe you won't do very well. I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, yeah, I think these are good questions. I think you'll appreciate them. Um, right, so um, what I'm going to do is I have five questions for you both. Um, you'll both need to provide me an answer and you'll both take it in turns um, and I'll tell you who will answer first. Um, and then whoever answers the most correct is today's Christmas Whiz Kid. And you can have that title. So are you ready to battle <laughs> out for Christmas Whiz Kid title? Yes. Yeah, bragging rights. <laughs> exactly. Uh, right, so first question, and I'll allow uh, Charlie, our guest, to answer first. Um, which country is credited with starting the Christmas tree tradition? That's quite hard to say. The Christmas tree tradition. So, yes, pick, tell me a country, or if you know the answer, which country are you saying? I genuinely don't have a Scooby. I... I'm going to guess somewhere in Europe, just in case it's an older tradition, though it could easily be for Americans. I'm going to say oh, Germany. Germany? Hannah, what are you saying? Norway. Hannah gets it. Oh, I almost went for Denmark, which still would have been wrong, but it's <laughs> the right part of the world. Did you know that, Hannah? Maybe somewhere in the depths of my brain, but not knowingly. I mean, your brain is very deep, isn't it? With all that knowledge inside. I don't know why that sounds sarcastic. It sounded very sarcastic, actually. I'm slightly worried for you two right now. <laughs> right, Hannah, you get to go first this time. Okay. Uh, what is your star sign if you were born on Christmas Day? You are a Capricorn. Oh, it's changed, hasn't it? I'm going to still say Capricorn, but right. I feel like it has changed because the star sign's changed in Okay, I'll take that as your answer. Charlie, what's your answer? It's either Sagittarius or Capricorn. And I don't know if the 25th on the cutoff or not. So I'm going to, just for the sake of podcast tension, I'm going to say Sagittarius just to be different to Hannah's answer. <laughs> I love the tension. Uh, you could cut the tension with the knife, a Christmas festive knife. Not that that exists. I'm talking bollocks yep. here. Right, um... <laughs> Uh, Hannah, you're right. It is Capricorn. You know what? I'm glad I'm right because obviously, as you know, but Charlie may not, it's my husband's birthday and I should know his star sign. So good. Do you want to know a fun fact as well? Me and Dom share the same star sign. Ah, that's um, why we get on so well. <laughs> you, you just get on well with Capricorns. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, right. I believe it's Charlie's turn to go first. 
Um, how many ghosts appear in A Christmas Carol? Three. You're saying three. Hannah, what are you saying? Uh, I'm going to go for four, again, for podcast tension, but also because in The Christmas Carol, there's Marley and Marley. They're the Muppets Christmas Carol. That's the one I'm referring to. Right. So you're saying, so you're saying four <laughs> and Charlie's saying three. Yes. Yeah. Hannah, you, you, you were on fire today. This is unbelievable. Unbelievable, Jeff. I don't know where that's from. That's from a movie, isn't it? That's football. Uh, unbelievable, Jeff. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. I know that I knew that one. Um I haven't known anything else. I haven't I've never actually seen um a full length version of a Christmas carol. Oh, watch the Muppets one. It's so uh, good. Lockdown Christmas. This is your opportunity. There's there's a lot of things for me to watch that don't involve the Christmas carol. Oh. <laughs> Uh, right, so uh, my next two questions. Um, so this is taken from a, uh, so Evoluted, uh, which I think is an agency based in Sheffield, uh, did a piece about the top 10 merriest Christmas songs. Um, so my next two questions are about that. So first up, and I think it's Hannah, it's your turn to go first this time. I'm a rubbish quiz master. I don't know whether I'm coming or going. Uh, so, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays by NSYNC was um, the, top, the top of the rank of the Merriest Christmas songs based on how many festive words it contains. So, Hannah, how many festive words... And the one that's closest, I will give. So how many festive words does Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays contain? 67. 67. What are you saying, Charlie? I'm going to go higher across the course. Is it individual words or how many times? You know, if they say Christmas, is that like 10 times? Does that count as 10 or 1? That's the question. No, it's individual. So how many times? So, yeah. Um, so multiple times is counted of the same word all right in that case i think it's higher so i'm gonna say i'm just gonna say 70 to go a bit higher <laughs> so, i mean do you right you're both very far out but it's probably charlie, like 306 charlie you're the closest it's 147 ah. wow what a spammy song what a very spammy <laughs> song yeah never heard of the meta keywords tab that's <laughs> Um, right, and the last question then. Um, Jingle Bell Rock was second for how many festive words it contained. Um, how many words are we saying for that? So, Charlie, you go first this time. 109. 109. What are you saying, Hannah? You know what, I had this in my head before that. So it's going to be very close again. Um, 112. You're both very far out again. <laughs> in comparison, a measly 66 in this one. Oh, what? If I'd have just swapped my numbers around. Yeah. <laughs> I've been thrown off by the sky. That came second in the first one. Yep, there we go. Uh, so who got closer there, Hannah? Charlie. Charlie did. Charlie, right. So that is the end of this week's Christmas quiz and you'll be very thrilled to find out that Hannah you are this week's 
Christmas Whiz Kid. Lovely. Thank you so much. It's uh, made my Christmas. So any questions regarding Christmas, find <laughs> Hannah. She will be able to answer. Have you got any, any questions, Charlie? No, but I could definitely ask my kids some Christmas, you know, to ask me some, I could pass on if we want to stitch Hannah up good and proper. Oh, that'd be <laughs> hilarious. I will make them up. It could backfire badly. <laughs> what do you think I do as a parent? <laughs> I swear that is like one of, I mean, there's, I imagine I'm, I'm not a, a mother yet, but I imagine one of the perks of having a child is just coming up with a load of crazy stuff. <laughs> no, I'm not sure how to answer that without incriminating myself. Oh, in well, some way. But, uh, but yes, it is. Um, I was told, I think the weirdest lie that I was told, or no, it was quite good on the, but there's the classic that if the ice cream fan plays a tune and it's out of ice cream, that's it. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. We've used that one. Yeah. <laughs> and somehow like, uh, I, I believe someone told me that dog shears go backwards at some point in my life. Um, but anyway, that's, that's another, that's another story. Uh, but yes, um, that brings us to an end of this week's SEO SES podcast. Mm. <laughs> I mean, the silence between both of you then, um, yeah, like, I was, I, I, I meant to a clap at that point. I, I, I we will, we'll Very dislikes reactions. I do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> If I don't get react, I am like a puppy. Uh, did we say that on the podcast or beforehand? Oh. I, don't, I don't know, but you are like a puppy. <laughs> the podcast puppy. Um, thank you very much for sharing your very wise keyword research knowledge with us. Um, where can people find you if they want to continue the conversation? Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at PageSource. Uh, you can also... Uh, look me up on my website is chopped.io. There's not much there, but you can uh, find me there and contact me that way. Uh, feel free to send me a message on those or on LinkedIn. Um, and I'm always happy to chat about keyword research or anything else that I can be helpful with. Beautiful. Hannah, do you want to let our listeners know how to get in touch with us? Yes, you can email us at hello at seosaspodcast.com or also on Twitter, seo underscore SES or Sarah MCD UK, or originally SEO SAS Hannah. Wonderbar. Um, and yes, the only thing left to say is if you've not yet subscribed to our podcast, please do, um, because then you get notifications of when new episodes are available. And if you want to give us a review, that would be blooming awesome as well um and i suppose the only thing left to say is we hope you have a very lovely christmas and you stay safe and anything do you want to you guys want to get in on this christmas wishing people <laughs> merry christmas <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll take the opportunity to say merry christmas to everybody i hope everyone has a great uh, holiday time yes eat lots be merry and um yes just have a fabulously festive time i suppose i think i think that's it really and until next time bye